Hey guys, my name is Miller Montgomery and welcome to the King Collective Podcast, where I interview men making a massive difference in the world. These are kings of their kingdom. Listen in. Hey guys, it's Miller here. Welcome to another episode of the King Collective. And today I'm joined with a fellow brother, a mentor, uh, and a great friend, um, Asher Packman. Thanks for jumping on. Hey, good to be here, Miller. Um, so, mate, I just wanted to have you on here just because, you know, you do a lot of work with men. You've got a lot of life experience um, through, you know, you're a single dad as well. And um, wanted to kind of get your insights, first of all, into, yeah, maybe it's just your life. Maybe give us the brief rundown of <laughs> things that have gone on for you. Yeah, yeah. Um Hardly brief. I'm trying to think about that in a way I can do it in a short space of time. But I mean, you know, I had a pretty regular um, upbringing in suburban Melbourne, went to a private school, um, went to university for, for a little while. Um, and um, but I guess all along I've sort of been you know, in the start of my life, there was kind of like I had a bit of anxiety and depression, like all the way through. I kind of remember it kicking in probably around 14 or 15. So, you know, like, like many um, people certainly of my age, um, back in the, I guess in the eighties when I was a teenager there, you don't, it's not really, it was kind of brushed under the carpet a little bit. So it was just something you had to kind of manage, you know, it didn't even really feel like it was something you could bring up with you, with your parents too much, you know what I mean? So I felt like it was just this little dark passenger I had on my shoulder and made me feel a little bit different from everybody else. But, you know, time went on, um, you know, by the time I was at uni, I was probably self-medicating quite a lot with um, alcohol and, and a little bit of little bit of drug use as well um, but you know I, I managed to to get by um, ended up going to Europe after uni and worked as a flying hot air balloons for a couple of years which is kind of an interesting um, turn of events I suppose I'm not sure kind of what what drove that I think I was kind of escaping something you know, more running away from from kind of a regular life or something um, but, you know, cut a long story short, I ended up um, in a corporate job, which I stayed in for a long, long time, working in corporate comms, um, ended up working for um, what was AOL Time Warner back then. Um, had a pretty big gig there, looking after a couple of regions and stuff like that. Um, but in, in 2007, um, my sister took her own life, and so I kind of... It kind of rattled me quite a lot as something like that would, you know, and um, started to kind of question a lot of things in my life, um, my purpose, what I was doing on the planet, all that sort of stuff. Um, made a few changes, but not, not a lot um, at the time. Um, I ended up moving back to Australia, actually. I was working in London. Um, um, and then a couple of years after that, my mum got really sick with cancer and she ended up doing the same thing as my sister, taking her own life. She just reached a point with the cancer where she couldn't deal anymore, which is, you know, understandable where, where she was at. Um, but the kicker for me was, like, not long after that, I got diagnosed with blood cancer myself. Wow. So I had these kind of, you know, I guess these knocks, which came all in sort of like a two, three-year period. Yeah. And for me, that just sort of stripped everything back down to the raw bones of it all. Um, bit of a blank canvas. Actually, ended up. I spent two weeks in a in a um, in a um, 
psychological clinic the Melbourne clinic um, in Richmond because I just kind of hit really hit rock bottom um, and I guess when I came out of there yeah I just had to kind of piece my life back together and but it was you know as we always talk about you and I Millie you're kind of like in those moments when you're kind of deep in the shit you kind of find out who you are and that was really true for me um, and one of the things which helped me along the road when I was really down there was um, meditation more about kind of um, self-inspection in a way and it was probably the first time in my life when I actually kind of turned the dial inwards and figured out what was going inside me instead of trying to going on inside me instead of trying to sort everything out from from just by fixing the outside yeah. and you know up until that point the model that I've been given for happiness for success was you know to do well on the outside you know like big job lots of money pretty girlfriend fast cars all that sort of stuff and you know the more I'd I'd done all that and and it clearly wasn't working Um, and it took these huge wake-up calls from the universe to make me realize that you know that was pretty empty and that I needed to find out what was going on within so yeah kind of from that path and going through all that I ended up kind of kind of taking that on as my mission as my purpose I guess and now I'm kind of sharing my experience with others and, and helping to to kind of I guess guide other men in a way mm. oh, it's a it's a great story and uh, you know it's a I guess when I listen to that I just hear a lot of courage you know that you would have had to draw upon mm. and I think you know for many of us it's like it takes those big smack in the face moments to really realize what what something's not right here you know something needs to be learned or changed I think yeah I I, I totally agree and I think that um, you kind of get the lesson from the universe the level you need to wake you up Um, you know I'm fond of talking about the the feather the brick and the train it's like you know when you're living you know away from your purpose and you're not aligned the universe will just give you these gentle nudges you know almost like a tickle under the chin and most men will kind of not even notice that that's happening. Yeah. Um, and so the universe goes, all right, well, I'm going to need to step, step it up a bit here and it'll give you like a whack in the face. And, you know, you either wake up at that point or you don't. And if you don't, well, it's generally like a train wreck. Yeah. You know, and that can take the form of um, a marriage breakup. It can take the form of, like, um, losing a parent or um, um, a, a physical health issue, losing a job. It can be something like that where you're forced to take a you know, really long, hard look at yourself. Um, and hopefully, you know, men can often go in two directions from there. You keep not he- heeding the call and you have you, know, you sort of prop yourself up through numbing yourself away from that clarion call with drugs or alcohol or women or porn or gambling or whatever. And you just, even though it's literally yelling in your ear, it's like a fire alarm at that point, you still manage to block it out. Um, or you actually do something about it, which is a much harder road, but it's the, it's the true road mm. and it's the work that we, we need to take. Mm. No, it's uh, very easy to distract. <laughs> oh, man. There's, I mean, the world is built on distractions. Yeah. You know, like it's literally, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's built that way now these days. It's like you, there are so many ways to distract yourself from that pain and we have this view as human beings that we need to move away from discomfort. So we've got all these options to do that. Um, 
whereas you know the growth is in the discomfort exactly um i wanted to ask you about you know the idea of being under the earth yep so it kind of i guess what happens after those big events is you know you kind of get sent into the the earth or the underground as you know we kind of we call it yeah i guess what would you for guys who are listening and maybe who don't really understand that terminology i've spoken about it a little bit on my podcast previously but you know what do you what is it to you and why do you feel like it's important yeah i guess um you could look at it a couple of different ways um and this terminology around time spent under the earth you see it come up um so often, you know, um, it, it almost forms part of the Joseph Campbell's monomyth and the hero's journey. But you see a lot of, in, in the mythopoetic um, men's movement, people like Robert Bly, they're constantly talking about this stuff. And if you look at all the old fairy tales, like the Grimm Brothers tales and stuff, there's always this period of time when the protagonist, you know, gets sucked under the earth and has to spend time down there. And that's where they do their learning and then they come back with a gift and then they give that gift to the world sort of thing. So... But most of us, when we feel ourselves getting sucked under the earth, we resist that because it feels terrible. Um, and that's, you know, going back to that original point about, you know, moving away from discomfort. So, you know, um, for me, I think it's a really lovely metaphor, particularly when you're, um, when you're you know, working with other guys to kind of let them know that this, this period of time um, spent under the earth, it's almost, um, it's going to happen one way or another. You know, and if you listen to some of Robert Bly's stuff, he's like, you know, you can either kind of um, be in control of that situation or you can just sit there and wait for it to happen, but it's going to happen. Mm. You know, it's almost like a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, and if you see it in the terminology of the hero's journey, it's that time spent, you know, um, in the abyss. Um, you know, Carl Jung talks about it a lot. Yeah. But if you actually turn towards the abyss and look into it, Jordan Peterson talks about it a lot too. Um, you end up realising that it's, it's, it's just a feather bed and all the dragons that you've been avoiding are just you. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I guess the biggest thing is that it, with it is um, being willing to just be there. Yeah, it's the idea of getting comfortable in the discomfort. So, you know, I like to, you know, if you're taking, it, taking that metaphor to the literal sense, it's like suffocating underground, feeling like you can't breathe with a mouthful of dirt and, you know, and just, and, and rather than fighting your way to the top again when you're not ready, mm. is to actually just stay under there until you can actually, until it's okay. Mm. You know, it's a bit like, like I do the, the Wim Hof stuff, you know, with the cold shower every morning. Well, after a while, you know, the resistance against that starts to drop away and, and in the end it's just a cold shower. Whereas before it was like, oh man, I can't, it's too cold and all this, you know, and you're resistant even before you get in there. Um, so it's a similar thing and in fact, there's a, I think there's a lovely parallel between ice and cold water and actually being under the earth. Yeah. It's very similar. You, you, you learn so much about yourself. Yeah, but I, I like to say just, just to end this point, it's like too many men want to ascend um, and have all the bliss and the awe but you have to descend first. Um, and I like to say, um, um, you have to learn to swim in the dirt before you can walk on the water. Mm, that's and you know, too many men just wanna walk on water. Yeah, um, beautiful. The other thing I want to ask you is just about, you know, your own experiences as, you know, being a single dad and stuff. Like what, um, well maybe I know some of the challenges that you experienced going through that. Yeah, well, you know, my son's, um, Five. Yeah. And yeah, you know, we've, I've been separated from his mum since he was really young. And it is really hard. Um, 
as anyone out there who's a single dad can, can attest to, but it just, um, you have to just change your whole way of being, you know, because your priorities are completely um, turned around from the way they were when you were just a, um, you know, footloose and fancy free to, to a degree. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Um, it's a beautiful thing being a father. But um, it can be quite suffocating at times um, because your ability to do the stuff that you quote-unquote want to do is really curtailed sometimes and everything becomes about your son or your daughter, which is beautiful. I mean, there's so much love in there. I, I, um, obviously, yesterday was Father's Day and, you know, I was just doing a bit of some, just looking at what different people that I follow, my mentors in life, it's kind of written about fatherhood and stuff. And there was, some, there was a lovely quote in there um, which said, um, 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 fatherhood is not for perfect men, but it perfects the man. Mm, I like that. And, um, and I just think that that's been really true for me um, in the sense that um, being a father or learning how to be a father um, has been the part of my life where I've grown the most, you know. Because you screw it up, and you, but you know, you just, you just every day you've actually got to um, get up and aim for best on ground. For sure. But you realise that you're not the one that hands out the votes for best on ground. <laughs> you've just got to have a crack every day, and to me, that's largely what fatherhood is about. You know, I've I've certainly found that for myself, I've found find that my kids are the perfect way, the perfect things that kind of point out my flaws. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. I, I would say without a shadow of a doubt, my two biggest gurus are my ex-wife and my son <laughs> because they reflect everything back to you, um, you know, where the areas that you've got to work on. Um, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing if you allow it to be because some people feel that reflection come back at them. Um, if you're wearing the armour as a man, you're just going to react with anger and with, um, with you know, emotions that are not going to serve you well, self-limiting emotions, you know. Um, whereas if you just let that come back to you and you kind of own it and you own your own shit around it, you, you can grow so much. For sure, yeah. You mentioned armour there. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know what did you think were maybe some of or the biggest kind of misconceptions about what it is to be a man and, like, what men think? Yeah, uh, well... If you're going down the down that route of you know wearing the armor, I think you've tapped into it right there. Because I think that um, you know stiff upper lip and, and 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 suiting up for the for the battle and you know being sort of unpenetrable um, is kind of how 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 we're showing up in the world these days. You know, it's kind of like the difference between um, Russell Crowe and Gladiator and and, and Tarzan. You know, it's like to me, you know, the, this idea of the warrior, for example, you know, it's this kind of, um, yeah, this kind of knight in, in, in the shining armour, but, you know, completely covered, you know, whereas to me, you know, the warrior is just, is just the bare-chested guy in his loincloth who's very vulnerable and that's where the strength comes from, you know, because at the end of the day, um, you know, there's a lovely story around the, the have you heard of the knight in rusty armour? No. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll, I'll give you like the 20 or 30 second spiel, but yeah. basically you, you've, you've got this knight who, you know, he's, the, he's famed across the land, you know, he's the best jouster, he's like all the things, you know, kills all the dragons, and, but he's, he, he wears this, you know, suit of armour, so no one's really ever seen behind the armour. And of course, because of his deeds, you know, the king 
um, bestows upon him that he's able to you know marry the the princess. But and that's you know everyone's happy. But you know he goes to consummate the 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 marriage that night, and obviously he's had his armor on so long that it's actually rusted on, and he can't get it off. Right. So um, you know she puts up with that for a little while. Um, but as a great mentor of mine, James Greenshield says, um, you know, women um, get tired of kissing cold hard steel, <laughs> and and so um, in the end she kicks him out of the house kicks him out of the palace and he, so he goes wandering off into the woods and this is time spent under the earth, yeah. you know. And you often find in these stories there's always a, a lake or something like that. But he finds this lake and he looks at himself in the water and the reflection that comes back is just the armour. Like he doesn't even know what he looks like. He's got no, no idea. He hasn't turned inwards, you know. He doesn't even know who he is anymore. But that's a very physical thing when he looks in the lake and just sees metal shining back at him. Yeah. But, you know, he does the work by the side of the lake on his own spends time underground, gets comfortable, and eventually prizes the, prizes the, uh, the helmet off, gets to know what he really looks like, you know, makes his way back to the palace, and the princess doesn't even recognise him. But eventually, like, he wins her heart properly as a man. And it's then that they become happy. I like that. And I remember you talking about a, a story, I think it was a quote by Lancelot. Yeah. When he gets caught with the king's daughter yeah. bed or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And the you know, the king's army are coming in to, to come and kill him. And the quote that he says, I don't know the exact quote, but essentially he's more worried about being seen without his armor on than he is about dying. 100%, yeah, that's exactly right. Cause he's you know, in bed with um, the princess, that's right. And they're all coming up the stairs ready to kill him. And his concern is that they'll see him without his armor on, yeah. Which is really interesting. It's, there's a lot of um, facets to that because it also means that he's not protecting the princess either. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's just completely fixated on on, on being caught without the armor on. Yeah, himself. Um, even more than death. Even more than like protecting his loved ones. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's very interesting. And I think when you hear about this idea of the armor, you know, it's like the suit that we go to wear at work. Yeah. Or, you know the. Um, I don't know, the other examples of armour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, it's very, it can be very um, tangible in some senses. Yeah, a suit's probably the most obvious one. And literally wearing a tie, like literally constraining your throat. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said around that. For sure. Almost like the noose around the neck to some degree. <laughs> but, yeah, not to say you shouldn't, you, you can't um, show up as an authentic, healthy, masculine man and wear a suit. You can. Of course you can. But, you know, there's... It's contextual, it's I guess. Contextual, it depends, exactly. depends on the person and, you know... Yeah, 100%. Um, okay. And so I wanted to find out, I guess, you know, you've been a single dad now for a bit. Yep. Any other single dads who are going through a really tough time who are just maybe fresh out of it or maybe a bit into it but are just kind of feeling lost and don't know what to do? Like, have you got any advice for what to focus on first, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that the single most important piece of advice is um, to find other men mm. and to talk. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's in so many, it's just, it comes out again and again and again, but you know, raising a child um, is not something you can do alone, even as a single dad, like it takes other men too. Mm. You know, there's a, there's a lovely old, um, um, African kind of 
I guess, same where, where they say it takes 20 men to, 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 to raise a boy into a man. Mm. Like, you can't expect to do it on your own as a, as a father. Mm. So for me, it's kind of twofold. It's, it's, you know, find other men and talk yeah, uh, and work through this stuff together. Mm. You know, and that's kind of like what we do in, the, in our men's circle. Yeah. You know, you and I, we, we talk a lot, you know, and all those guys in that circle, you know, we, we talk a lot and you yeah. kind of like, I learned so much about how to be a dad from, from other men and it's, it's very supportive, but yeah. trying to do it on your own is, is a big mistake. Yeah, I think um, it's something that, you know, for many years I struggled with as well because I thought I was isolated in my own problems. Yeah. But you realise that if you actually dig a little bit under the surface between, you know, with, with maybe most men, then you realise that the problems are actually quite similar. Well, it's just, to some degree, you could argue that they're exactly the same. Again, you come back to Joseph Campbell's monomyth. It's like it's showing up in your life, you know, in a certain colour and a certain flavour. But, you know, if you actually um, scan back a bit and take the 30,000 foot view, it's, um, it's, it's the same problem, you know, just wearing a different jumper. <laughs> um, when you talk to other guys and you're like, oh, man, you know, you're facing the same issues as me. Um, and let's let's sort this stuff out together, you know. Let's like let's like listen to each other and learn from each other. Yeah, for sure. Um, and final question, mate, I wanted to ask you was, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the archetypes warrior, um, and I wanted to ask about uh, when it comes to the king, right, this idea of being a king. Yep. Uh, how maybe could men kind of access that a little bit more fully? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because how you define your king is really going to define how you show up as your king, you know? So I think probably a starting point is to really try to get your head around what exactly that means to you, mm. you know? So, I mean, I can throw that question back to you to start the conversation. I'm like, what does being a king mean to you? Initially, uh, any time I hear that, I think of generativity. I think of giving back to, you know, the kingdom and the people around you and being one who supports them up and creates an environment where that can happen. Um, I think how you can do that and be more generative, I think, is is obviously where the challenge is um, in this day where we, especially as men, you know, we're very focused on going to work and, we're, and in maybe in our heads we tell ourselves that we're very focused on I go to work and I earn the money for everyone else. And I do that because I want to give them everything that I can. But then we also get angry at those people because we're working so much. <laughs> so it's like this hard balance sometimes. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And I think what you've tapped into the core of it right there. I think, you know, the, 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 the true king, when the king is fully online, is, is, you know, they want the best for their realm. And I think... Um, Sometimes you might think that that's what you're doing, but in actual fact, it's, it is about you and the status and the, the earning more money and that sort of stuff. Like you've got to completely be selfless when you're in your true king. Um, yeah, and not, not getting, um, as you say, like not getting angry at the, at the people that you're serving. Yeah, there's um, like this underlying maybe resentment that eventually builds up over time. It really does. And feeling like you need that energy loop to come back to you. Like, like, um, I'm out there making all the money, so I need to see you demonstrably showing me that 
that you're grateful for that like all the time and it's like if, if you're in your full king and you're full of love and compassion um, you and wanting the best for, for your realm you don't need that feedback because you're full mm. you know you're full it's a bit like I take it down to a very simple um, um, situation of, of, of doing the dishes you know after, after your wife's cooked or whatever it's like if you're sitting there and you sit down again and you're like literally getting riled up because you're not getting the thank you, mm. then that's part of that issue. Mm. Like you do the dishes out of, out of love and service. Mm. You don't need to be thanked. Mm. Like the, the, the doing of the dishes is enough. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think there's this thing of like, you know, like I'll go to work and then um, all I want is some uh, some food on the table or all i want is just a clean house yeah yeah, is it, yeah. Is it, you know it's like well, i want this payback yeah this it's reciprocal payback. arrangement i do this you do that you know um yeah i mean if you're doing something out of out of pure love um i mean it's nice when that happens but it doesn't have to happen mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah and, and i think that's the difference like the king energy but you know the king energy is, is quite complicated isn't yeah. it so um but it, it, it ties back into fatherhood i mean actually if People like Jordan Peterson actually refer to the king archetypes, the father. Mm. And I think that's very interesting as well. Um, and I do think that that term is actually interchangeable because you're talking about the great father, mm. you know, not your literal father. The higher. Yeah, the higher father. Yeah. So um, it turns into a pretty fascinating discussion. There. Mm. Yeah. Cool, mate. Well, I uh, appreciate you jumping on. No worries. To do this with me. Um, no worries. Got a lot of great insights there. Appreciate your time. Pleasure to be on. Good to see you, Miller. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Oh, and you can check out Asha. Yeah, probably the easiest way is just through the fifth direction. Yeah. Um, so the website there is just t5d, the, the number five, dot com dot au. And you can see all the stuff we've got going on, um, workshops and classes and stuff from there. Yeah, a lot of men's groups and uh, workshops and stuff on in Melbourne. Yeah, uh, women's uh, as well. Yeah, you know, Tuesday nights we sit here in St Kilda. That's the men's circle. On Thursday nights, um, the, the women sit, um, run by a, a beautiful lady called Marissa. Um, and then once a month, as you know, we all come together in a mixed circle, which I think is super important as well. Mm. So, yeah, it's all going on. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, mate. No worries.